four parts are enough. Where this series came from, um, we understand that how many of you have people in your life? Well, you better not raise your hand. You may be sitting beside them. We all have people in our lives at times. They just don't seem to get it, no matter how we try to explain it. And yes, we, we explain things incorrectly. We, we don't really communicate the way we want to. Even when it is as plain as it can be, sometimes people still don't get it. And don't you want to just slap them? especially this time of year, especially. And so that's kind of where we got the title for this series. But that's really just the hook, because we have to say, let's pause just a moment, and let's think about this. Isn't that how God must feel about us? I mean, He tells us, and He tells us, and He tells us. And we just don't get it. And does it ever get to the point where he might just want to say, ah, well, we have some good examples of that in the Old Testament. We've been looking at one of those. It's in a very small book in the Old Testament, a book of prophecy called the book of Amos. Amos was the prophet. And um, last week, uh, let me go back two weeks. The first week we did this series, our bottom line said this, when the most blessed become the most self-obsessed, they end up the most distressed. And how true is that? According to God's system, that is very, very true. And God just gave this northern kingdom of Israel really just a giant slap with that. Um, he was like saying, listen guys, I, I have let you go and let you go. I've tried to call you back and tried to call you back. And I have blessed you beyond measure. And this is how you're choosing to live? This is what you're choosing to do? He said, you're getting ready to have some distress. And it's going to be rough. And that's where we ended on week one. Week number two, which was last week, um, they had another encounter with Amos, and basically here was our bottom line for last week. The invitation that you keep answering determines the party you will attend. In other words, we get to choose how we're going to live. We get to choose what invitations in life we're going to say yes to. What lifestyles we're going to say, yep, that's for me. I'm going to do that. I'm going to be involved in this and this and this. That is going to be me. But the invitations we say yes to always determine the party we will attend. And for the Israelites, God said, you've answered your last invitation. <laughs> he said, this is it. You are going to attend that party. I'm drawing the line. That's, what, that's the party you're going to attend. And you are not, you are not going to like it. But you chose it. And that brings us to this week. Now as we begin this week, Amos once again reminds this northern kingdom of Israel. He reminds them just of some of the list that God has saying, you keep doing this, you keep doing this. So let's begin with that. Amos chapter 5 starting with verse 10. Here's what the Bible says. How you, and he's speaking to the Israelites, how you hate honest judges. How you despise People who tell the truth. Your, 
you, uh, you, you trample the poor. And this was one of the big deals with God here between God and the northern kingdom of Israel. You trample the poor, stealing their grain through taxes and unfair rent. So it's not like you're going up and you're emptying their bins. No, no, no. You're stealing by all of these unfair taxes and unfair rent that you're charging these incredibly poor people. Therefore, though you build beautiful stone houses, you will never live in them. Though you plant lush vineyards, you will never drink wine from them. He said, for I know the vast number of your sins. You northern kingdom of Israel, you people who I call my children, my people. He says, I know. And the depth of your rebellions, he says, I know. You oppress good people, he says, by taking bribes and deprive the poor of justice in the courts. You know, these are things that God wanted for Israel. He had certain attitudes He wanted them to have. He had certain behaviors and a certain lifestyle that He wanted for this nation of Israel. God had a very specific plan for their lives, for their attitudes, for their behaviors, for their lifestyles. But what he just read to them, this was not it. That was not in his plan for them. God gave his plan to them um, out of the uh, books in the Bible of Exodus and also in Leviticus. And he gave them his plan. Here is my plan for your attitudes, your decisions, your behaviors, your lifestyle. And it was a plan... um, that was a plan full of purpose. It was not just a list of things to do and not do. It had a very specific purpose. And the purpose of the plan that God gave Israel, it, it was several fold. It was a plan to protect that nation. And when I say nation, I'm talking about even the individuals, the families that made up that nation. It was God's plan to protect them every single day. It was His plan. It was also God's plan to uh, keep this entire nation and these families close to God. It was a plan to protect their future. It was a plan that would lead them toward God's best for them. That was the plan. To lead them toward what God had for them. His best. That was the plan. Well. If we were to ask ourselves. What is the best possible way. That God could communicate. With us. Even today. What is the best possible way. God could communicate with them. What's the best possible way. God could communicate with us. I believe we would have to learn to listen to God and let Him tell us His plan. I am probably not the best way to communicate God's plan. 
I believe we can listen to God and we can learn that plan. Because even for us, as it is with the Israelites, God's plan leads me toward and it protects me for God's best. Let me say that again. For us today, and even the Israelites then, God's plan leads me toward His best, and it protects me for His best. In other words, what I'm saying is, the best plan that God has for my life specifically, if I will follow His plan, I will get God's best. If I follow His plan, He will protect me Not from bad things happening to me. We live in a broken, fallen, hurting world. That's not what I'm saying. But He will protect me as He guides me towards His best, even in this broken, hurting, fallen world. You can have the best plan that God has for your life. You can have that. And it is created by God Himself. It is not just this general plan for humanity. God has a best plan for you. He does for me too. And you know what? You can have the very best plan created by God. And He could put that plan in writing. He could give it to us. He could tell us that plan with His own voice. He could put it in writing for us where we could read it. But that plan does not do it for you. You have to work the plan. But Israel did not work the plan. Israel just kind of played around with the plan. Here's today's bottom line. You're going to hear me say it several times. God's plan leads me toward and protects me for God's best. My plan leads me to all the rest where there is no peace. Let me say that one more time. Students in the back, make sure you're listening. My plan, God's plan, leads me toward and protects me for God's best. My plan leads me to all the rest where there is no peace. Let's go back to Amos chapter 5, now in verse 18. Amos says, Oh, what sorrow awaits you who say, Well, if only the day of the Lord were here. If only the day of the Lord were here right now. We wouldn't have to put up with all this. He would bring in His kingdom. It would all be great. No, no, no. Here's what Amos says. You, oh, you have no idea what you're wishing for. That day, that's going to bring darkness, not light. In that day. Here's, I love this description he gives. In that day, he says, you will be like the man who runs from a lion. So it's like, oh, there's a lion. And I don't, we don't have to worry about lions today. 
They had to worry about lions. So he's running from as if he could outrun one, but it's a story. God's saying, just entertain me for a moment. You are like the man, he says, that's running from a lion. Lion! And you make it. Whew, oh my word. That was a close one. And then he goes on, only to meet a bear. Oh, bear! Lions, bears! Oh! And you run from the bear. And you make it. Whew. That was a close one. I, I, why, I, I barely got away. And so he made it. He escaped the lion. He escaped the bear. And he's resting against the wall. And the Bible says, escaping the bear, he leans his hand on the wall of his house. Whew. That was really a close one. And the Bible says, and he's bitten by a snake. You, I made the lion, I outran the bear, you, you, you dirty, you dirty snake. And in the South we would say, I can't win for losing. God says, you think you're going to get away. You think you're going to make it. But in the end, you're going to get it, basically. He said, it's going to happen. When you play with God, you will always, eventually, pay with grief. When you play with God in this life, God, the creator of the world, the universe, this, everything, when we play with Him, we will always eventually pay with grief. Verse 20 goes on. Yes, the day of the Lord. It will be dark and it will be hopeless without a ray of joy or hope. Amos is saying, listen, northern kingdom of Israel, you have been in control of your lives. You know what I'm saying? You've been in control. And you're getting ready to find out where your control actually leads you. There will be no peace. There will be no joy. And ultimately, there will be no life. You see, there is God's best, whatever that is that He has for you. There is God's best, and then there's all the rest. You know, sometimes we fool ourselves into thinking, well, it's not God's best. <laughs> but at least I've got this. Now, from God's perspective, there is God's best, and then there's all the rest, whatever that is. No peace, no joy. No hope, ultimately, no life. The bottom line, God's plan leads me toward and protects me for God's best. My plan leads me to all the rest where there is no peace. He goes on, verse 21. 
Now, this is so powerful. This should be slightly scary for us. Here it is. And remember, Amos is speaking the words that God gave him. So these are God's words. God is saying, Northern Kingdom of Israel, I hate, I hate all of your show and pretense, the hypocrisy of your religious festivals and solemn assemblies. He goes on in verse 22. I will not accept your burnt offerings and your grain offerings. I won't even notice your choice peace offerings. In other words, listen, God is saying, Israel, I don't care at this point what you do or how religious or how holy you are. I won't accept it. I don't care what songs you sing. I don't care if you work up a sweat. I don't care if you clap really loud. I don't care if you sing like a bird. I don't care. I'm not going to accept it. Other people might be impressed. They might love it. They might say, wow, that was great. I won't hear it. Oh, this should be scary. It's scary to me. Verse 23, he goes on. Away with your noisy hymns of praise. In other words, it sounds beautiful on earth, but for me and my ears, because I know what's happening, it is just noise. And I hate it. I will not listen to the music of your harps. Instead, he says, I want to see a mighty flood of justice, an, em an endless river of righteous living. He said, Israel, was it really to me you were bringing those sacrifices and the offerings during the 40 years that you were in the wilderness, Israel? Was it really to me? No, he said in verse 26. No, 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 no. You served your pagan gods. It really was not to me. He goes on in verse 27. So, I will send you into, into exile, a land east of Damascus, says the Lord, whose name is the God of heaven's armies. That's like the signature. <laughs> That's powerful. When he closes it with that, whose name is the God of heaven's armies, it's like him signing it. I'm, this is going to happen. count on it and so God tells them this is going to be more than you just being kicked out of the promised land that I gave you it's going to be more than you just being exiled kicked out he gives them a little more detail saying you will be tormented by another nation dominated tortured abused by another nation he says it in verse 14, O people of Israel, in chapter 6, I'm about to bring an enemy nation against you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. They will oppress you throughout your land. You will not be able to run. You will not be able to hide. This is really going down. It's going to happen. 
Now, what happens next in the book of Amos is that God gives Amos now some visions. He sees some things, some visions. And these visions happen to be so so horrible that they really kind of torment Amos just to, to see them, to think about them. And all of these these visions are related to God's judgment against this nation, the northern kingdom of Israel. Now some of these were so terrifying that Amos was like, he he was begging God, please do not show me anymore. Take this out of my mind. Take it out of my memory. I, I don't want to live with these images. But God ends with one last One last vision. This one was not terrifying in the visual. It was just a little frightening in the message. Here's how that vision goes. Uh, In chapter 7, verse 7. Then he showed me another vision. I saw the Lord standing beside a wall that had been built using a plumb line. He was using, he was using, God was using a plumb line to see if it was still straight. And the Lord said to me, Amos, do you see? I answered, yeah, yeah, I I see a, a plumb line. And the Lord replied, I will test my people with this plumb line. And I will no longer ignore their sins. No longer. I mean, that, that's it. Verse 9, he says this, The pagan shrines of your ancestors will be ruined, and the temples of Israel will be destroyed. I will bring this dynasty of King Jeroboam to a sudden end. All right. You see, they took what God had given them, the nation of Israel, and God had given them this plumb line. So you have heard of and seen a plumb line. I have an ancient Israel plumb line. Actually, no, we made it this morning. But <laughs> but it basically a string with a weight on it. And so because of God's natural laws and gravity and everything like that, that He has made, He has prepared for us and put into existence, it hangs straight because of gravity. Simple, simple tool. It's been around for thousands and thousands of years. A plumb line. And so they would use this to build a wall. And as the masonry was going up, they could make sure that the wall was straight. And here God said, um, I'm using my plumb line to see if your wall is still straight. Because when I built it for you, oh, it was straight. When I gave you this life, he said, oh, it was straight. Let's see how you're doing now. And so he takes a look. So I'm going to leave that on here. I'm going to drag this out. So here is my wall. They make them at Walmart. 
<laughs> there we go. There's my wall. God said, when I created your walls, they were straight. And in his vision, he's, he's taking his plumb line and he is checking the foundation from the foundation up to see how they have been building their lives. Now again, we're talking about the nation, the northern kingdom of Israel, but that nation is made up of what? Families and individuals. And so God is checking the nation which is made up of families and individuals. How have they built their lives? You see, God's plan, His plan, which is straight and it is accurate and it is designed to lead them toward and protect them for God's best. But Israel began to build their lives after generations. They began to build their lives their way. That's what they did. And it was no longer plumb, according to God's plumb line. And if you lean far enough, you will certainly fall. If you lean away from God's best far enough, from God's plumb line, far enough. From God's standard, far enough. His standard, which is leading us toward His best. If we lean far enough, we will certainly fall. I mean, it's just the way it happens. I mean, it is just about to go. You don't really know when it's going to go. But it's about to go. Right there. And just the slightest thing. I mean, here's, here's the plumb line. You lean far enough, it's going to happen. And here's the reality. According to, to what's going on here, I, I believe we can surmise that God can't fix that. I mean, it's not that God can't do the impossible. But God allows us. Maybe it's that He won't fix that. Because God certainly can do the impossible. But He's given us this thing called freedom to choose. And that's what they chose. And so frequently, that's what we choose. So I'm going to use the word can't, understanding really he's not going to fix that. You know what has to happen for this to be fixed? God's going to have to tear it down. Whether that's circumstances of life, or whether that's through God's judgment, God's discipline, I don't, I don't know. I'm not going to tell you how. It could be any or all of those. But that's how God 
begins to fix it, he goes back to the foundation. And he begins to build again. He will begin to build you again from the foundation up. And if you're anything like me, if you're even just a little bit like me, then this is what God's going to do in your life. He's going to build you from the foundation up. There may be moments that he just kind of straightens things up. Very possible. Certainly. But if you're anything like me, we're going back to the foundation. Painful. Let me give you the good news. The good news is that this book of Amos that we have been studying, and we're going to study one more week, this book of Amos is prophecy. Meaning God is giving a message to His prophet, in this case Amos, and He says, go take this and share it with the people. This prophecy was for a specific group of people, the northern kingdom of Israel, at a very specific time. Good news! This prophecy is not for us. Whoo! Good news. Bad news, though. The bad news is... All of the principles of this prophecy, according to the New Testament, the principles of the prophecy do apply to us. Hang in here with me, students in the back. The principles of the prophecy do apply to us. That's the bad news. Is God going to, in your life, going to have to allow something to be torn down so that he can once again begin to build it back up. Is that going to be your story like it is mine? Is he going to start over from the foundation and rebuild your life? And when he builds, it's according to his plumb line. When he builds, it's according to his standard, which is designed to lead you toward and protect you for God's best. But my plan leads me to all the rest. We lean far enough away from God, we're going to fall. Is this what God's going to do in your life? Is this what He's in the process of doing in your life? Let me tell you a story. C.S. Lewis, uh, a great writer from the uh, early 19th century, 20th century. C.S. Lewis uh, tells a story of two schoolboys who were talking and one schoolboy asked the other, he was like, listen, friend, what, what is God like? What is God like? The friend thought about it for a minute and he said, well, as far as I can tell, 
God is just the sort of person who, who is always, always snooping around and, and he's trying to see if anyone is enjoying himself and then, and then he's going to try to stop it. As far as I can tell, that's what God is like. And C.S. Lewis explains to us that this one word, this word called morality, this word called morality, which is very much, uh, which is very much like God's plumb line. This word morality scares us because that's kind of the idea that we have of that word morality. We think that this word morality is something that really interferes with, something that, that stops us from having a good time. That's what we feel about the word morality. But C.S. Lewis says, in reality, God's moral rule, God's plumb line, His moral rule, it is not there to interfere. It is there to help the human machine run. They are directions for running, operating the human machine. Let me give you an example. When you buy something cheap, when you buy something cheap, I wish I had an example of something cheap up here. When you buy something cheap, you don't worry about the directions, do you? You just rip the package open and you plug it in and you just start using it. Because it really doesn't matter. It's cheap. I mean, how, how difficult could it be? How tough can it be to operate this, to use this machine? How tough can it be? You just rip it open and you start using it. It's just cheap. You may never even read the directions. You may never even look for the directions. You just, that's it. But most of us, when we have something expensive, I mean, when we buy something that's going to be difficult for us to replace because we paid a lot of money for it, it's going to be tough. Most of us then, we read every word of those instructions. I mean, we saved enough to get it once, and we know it can't happen again. We read all of those directions. We pay attention to all of those instructions. Because if it's going to last, as we need it to last, we need that machine to last. So if it's going to last, if it's going to work right for years and years and years, then we have to use it properly. We have to use it the way it was the way it was designed now this is true for our bodies this is true for our lives this is true for this human machine every single moral rule in god's plumb line is there to prevent a breakdown. It is there to prevent an emotional, relational, spiritual strain. It is there to eliminate 
some friction. It is there to keep this machine running the way God intended it to run. Now, if you're being taught how to use a machine, your instructor would continue to say things like, no, 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 no. don't do it like that. Do it like this. No, 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 don't, don't, don't turn it on that way. Turn it on in this order. No, 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 don't, don't, don't push that button until you've done this over here. Your instructor is constantly saying, don't do this, do it this way. This is for order. This is how it should be done. This is the way to do it. Because there, when you look at it, there's all kinds of ways that you could imagine in your mind. Oh, it could be this way. All kinds of ways that could make sense. This is how it could be used. This is how it could happen. I mean, that, it might work that way. It could work this way too. All kinds of ways that we think it could happen. It could work. That might be it. And it seems right to me as I think about it. It looks right to me as I look at it. We could use this machine this way. It seems natural. It seems normal. It seems acceptable by other people are using the machine that way. Seems okay. The problem is, it really was not meant to work that way. And it will never lead to the best operation, the best function. It will never lead in your life to God's best. It will just lead to all the rest where there's no peace. This week, here's what we're asking you to do. This week, we're asking you to begin. Will you begin to try and start a new habit? A new habit where every day you begin this process of taking moral inventory of your attitudes, your behavior, your thoughts, your actions. By looking at God's plumb line and then applying that to your life. To find out, today, am I square? Or am I leaning away from God? Apply that plumb line to your life every day. Now I know that sounds vast. But let me give you a hint on how this could happen. And what this could look like for you. As you begin this. Will you? I hope you will. This has the potential. If you create this habit in your life. It has the potential to transform your life. And it has the potential to lead you and protect you. Toward God's best. And away from just all the rest. Here's what we want you to do. Starting this week. Will you begin reading God's word? That's where we find his plumb line. Now to make it. Easier to get started. We're going to ask you to start in the New Testament. And to make it even a little bit more easy to get started, we're going to ask you to start in any one of the letters that are written. The New Testament starts with the four, you could say, almost five Gospels if you include Acts. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. All those, you understand what I'm saying? And then there's that book of Acts. 
After that begin the letters. And then it ends with uh, the book of prophecy, the book of Revelation. Don't start there, please. Start in one of those letters. And here's what I want you to do. Just begin reading one of those letters, and then work your way all the way through that letter. But here's what you do. Ask yourself before you start reading. Say, is there a guideline for me to follow? Is there a guideline for me to follow? And read that letter until you find one. It may be in the first verse. I don't know. It could be the second or the third. It may be in the eighth or ninth. It could be the next page. I'm not sure. But read that letter until you can sense, whoa, there's a guideline for me to follow. There's a plumb line. God just set a plumb line right there for me to measure my life against and stop right there. Don't go up and gather a whole book's worth of plumb lines and write them all down and say, here's what I need to do. Stop when you hit one. When you hit that plumb line, stop. And just write it down. God is telling me to do this. Just write that down. He's telling me to do this. And then you, just throughout your day, have a conversation with God. God, will you help me do this? This one single thing, one thing today. Will you help me do this? And do that. And guess what? The next day, start again. Right where you left off. It may be one verse. It may be a half of a verse. It may be the next page. I don't know, but say, God, I'm looking for a guideline you want me to follow. Your plumb line. Just read till you find one. And then stop. Just write it down. God, You've asked me not to do this or to do this, whatever it is. And on that day, throughout the day, have a conversation with God in your mind, in your heart, and do that one thing. You see, God's plan leads us toward and protects us for God's best. My plan, it just leads me to all the rest where there is no peace. Let's pray. God, forgive us for choosing our plan over your plan. God, forgive me for choosing my way over your way. God, forgive me for taking this human machine that you have blessed me with and me just saying, I see where you're going with this, but I think it could work like this too. God, forgive me because my only hope is you. It is not in my plan. God, my plan is hopeless. You lead me toward and you protect me for your best. And God, my plan just leads me to all the rest. And there is no peace there. 
God, help us this week as we begin to learn a habit of taking your plumb line little piece by little piece and lining it up against our lives and saying, okay, God, help me build that straight today according to your plumb line. And God, we will be well on our way toward the best that you have for us. After all, if we leave and push aside your best, then all we have is what's left over, all the rest that's out there, and there is no peace there. Jesus, we ask these things in your name. Bless us in direct proportion this week to how much we read and how much we apply your words, your plumb line to our lives this week. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.